Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 358. What I want to do over the course of the next two podcasts, at least, maybe more, is deal with the aspects of the tent of meeting and its centrality to what God was doing in the life of his people Israel while they were in the middle of the wilderness. If you look at the title of the book that we call Numbers, you understand that it is in the middle of the wilderness. The Hebrew name is Bamidbar, in the wilderness. Our name, Numbers, comes from the Septuagint, from the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, and it is the word arithmoi. Why? Because God numbered the people. And it's interesting that the numbering was done from every tribe and the men who had reached 20 years of age. I want to reiterate something to you that I've told you in several other podcasts. In America, we give credence to age 12. We give different higher level credence to those who are 16. And then at 18, we have a lot of freedom and and responsibility that we give to those who are 18. And then at age 21, we mark another difference. But I want to help you to understand that in the Bible, God has one particular number that is incredibly important for how he looks at a young man and how he gauges responsibility. If you start reading the book of Numbers, you're going to see that God told Moses to number every tribe except Levi. And the reason was is because God said, I have a special purpose for them, so don't number them because they have a different assignment. But every other man needs to be numbered from those who are 20 years of age and above. The reason is consistently throughout the scriptures, 20 years of age is the age of manhood. That's correct. The age of manhood. When God gives a different accountability, that is God holds someone who is 20 years and above different from someone who is below 20 years of age. The day that they celebrate their birth date, their birth month, that is the time when God says, now you're going to be held to accountability that's higher than before. Now, why is this? Well, it's only in the heart and the purpose of God that we really have to trust because all we know is that 20 years of age was a line of demarcation that God put down for accountability of a man going to war, a man who would now be charged with different accountability and responsibilities than before he's 20. Now, as most of you are very familiar, those who were 20 years of age had turned 20 and above were never able to go into the promised land. Everyone, as God promised, died in the wilderness, save two, that is Joshua and Caleb. They got to go into the promised land. Moses didn't even get to go into the promised land. 
plan. Because the more years that you've had of walking with God, the more serious the accountability. And this is the way that God does things all through the scriptures. Even with the age of 20, David could not lower the age of a Levite to below 20 because you were not even considered a man until you were age 20. Now, you could do certain things in the camp. You could do certain things within the family, but you could not go out to war unless you were 20 years of age. There may have been an exception to that from time to time that you could point up. None come to my mind, but the reality is this is where God says you're different from this point on. At age 25, you had to be 25 to be a Levite, at age 30 to be a priest. From all that I can find out, these were hard, fast lines. I personally believe that is why Jesus did not begin his ministry until age 30, so that he could fulfill the role of prophet, king, and priest. Those were the main three offices that anointing was made for where anointing took place. This is very important. And so even King David and the divine favor he had, he was not allowed to go below the age of manhood with the Levites, even during the most critical period of need leading up to the building of the temple with his son Solomon. But I want us to look at this concept of the tent of meeting. Because it's very important. God left nothing to chance with these people. And it's instructive for us. And if we're not instructed, then we're not following why God said he allowed all of this to be written down. According to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, the things that happened to the children of Israel that happened historically happened not only for their benefit, but for ours. They were for our instruction so that we could be encouraged, so that we could be instructed and warned to walk with God and that God requires obedience. I read a quote the other day where John MacArthur said the Christian life could be summed up really very simply in one word, obedience. We've gotten away from that in many aspects because we have blackened grace and cheapened it to doing anything you want to do. God doesn't save us and talk about freedom in the sense of freedom to do whatever we want to do. That's what's gotten us into trouble to begin with, with Adam. No, when we are saved, we are set free not to do anything we want to do, but to obey God. Before that, before the Spirit of God comes to live within us, we do not have the divine enablement. We are not even close to being able to fulfill the will of God in obedience because we don't have the power within us apart from the Spirit of God. And so God laid out all of these things for our learning as a pattern for us. And it's not just in one passage in the book of Romans. For instance, I opened my Bible moments ago and read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses, into the cloud. They were identified with him in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. Now, when we 
say Mashiach, the Hebrew word, instead of Christos, sometimes it slaps us in the face because we are so familiar with the word Christos, Christ, the anointed one, that when we say it in Hebrew, Mashiach, Messiah, transliterated into English, then all of a sudden we realize Jesus is the Messiah. That's what Christos means, but we're familiar with it. Verse 5 says, But with most of them, God was not well pleased. That is, most of the Israelites that came out of Egyptian bondage. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. God said, because of your disobedience, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. You're not going to be able to enjoy what I promised for you. Why? Because of their disobedience. Now, verse 6 says, this is a good verse to highlight along with verse 11. But in verse 6, it says, now these things became our examples, our two points, our types. What is a type? A type is the word that is used for an outline or a tracing. It is a model of the real thing. It is the idea of taking a man's fist and punching clay, pressing it into clay or to wax, pulling it away, and you have the imprint there. That's what this was. It was an imprint for us to follow, a tracing, if you will, to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things as they lusted. We've got to learn from them. Life is too short to learn from our own mistakes. We have to learn from the mistakes of others and the successes of others. And this is why God allowed these things to happen and to be recorded. They were for them, yes, primarily, but secondarily, they are for us. And do not become idolaters as some of them. And it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. In other words, when they didn't get what they wanted to just when they thought they should, and when the leader didn't do just exactly what they wanted to, they went astray. God says, don't do that. And so he's given us an example. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. God killed a lot of people. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. You know the story of the serpent being put on the pole because of their murmuring. Nor murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now verse 11 goes with verse 6. Now all these things happened to them as two poise, as types, as tracings for us. And they were written for our admonition, that is, for our instruction, on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You see, there is no temptation that has overtaken any of us except as such is common to man. Temptation to do evil is as old as the creation itself. Because Satan knows our weaknesses. He's been observing us for a millennia, and he sees us. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, that is, solicited to do evil, beyond that which you're able. But with the temptation, the solicitation to do evil, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it, that is, to endure it, get through it. Now, this is not said of testing. That is where God brings out the good in us. You see, the difference between testing and temptation, it's the same word in the text. It's the same word. 
Well, how do you know when it is bad and when it's good? You see, testing is by God. It's from God. And it's designed to bring out the good in us, to prove us, to get the dross out of our lives, to get the alloys out of our lives so that there is pure moldable silver or gold. But the evil, the temptation to do evil, the solicitation to do evil is always designed by Satan, our flesh that is controlled by our own Adamic sinful nature. And the world around us continually tells us to forsake God and live our own life, do what we want. The devil, the world, and the flesh constantly is tempting us and wanting to bring out the bad, the evil in us. The difference between testing and temptation is simple. Testing is from God, and it is designed to bring out the good, the godliness in us. Temptation, on the other hand, is always designed to bring out the bad, the evil, the wickedness that is in us, that we're prone to. And so the scripture says that God will put on us more than we can bear in a test. In other words, we may fail the test. And even when we fail the test and we're broken, God desires a broken and contrite spirit. And God will break us. God will not only break our will, he'll break us. He will get us to the point to where as the alabaster box that was broken on the feet of Jesus, that the precious ointment filled the room with a great and wonderful odor and fragrance. That's what God desires in our lives. Because you see, God is the master. He is the creator and the recreator. And when we're broken, he puts us back together. Well, time is passing on. We will continue this journey as we walk with the Lord through the wilderness. We're talking about the tent of meeting. And before we get to the tent of meeting, we have to understand that everything I'm going to tell you in the next few podcasts is related to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and how that God chose that as a method of instruction for us. And if God says over and over again in the New Testament that he wrote these things to teach us, don't you think we better read these things? Don't you think we better read these instructions? Don't do as some TV and radio preachers and those who write books right and left would tell you and unhitch from, discard the Old Testament, quit saying the Bible says. You see, this generation doesn't need to hear less of the Old Testament. They need to hear more. The people of God do not need to hear less of the Old Testament. They need to hear more. We don't need to unhitch from the Old Testament. We need to hitch our wagons to it because it brings us to Jesus. And finally, we don't need to, whatever we do, we don't need to stop saying, thus says the Lord and the Bible says, because that's the only way, the revelation of God, objective truth of the Bible, that we know even the way to come to Jesus. And it's certainly the way that we know to walk with him as we journey and walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. 
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.